0: Learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case tea, and join us as we fellowship.
1: Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion that fails not. That we are here again because you have blessed us and allowed us to be here. So we we give this time to you, this devotional time to you. Once again, we pray that you would bless every single listener, every single person that has joined us today. We pray that you would speak to them, that you would reveal yourself to them in a brand new way. And show us today, in a fresh way, just how good you are. Give us a revelation of your goodness and your love towards us. And this is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, we want to move on to goodness. Goodness. And we kind of left you with a cliffhanger last time with some questions that uh, we will address here about some comments that Jesus made um, when he was uh, called good. So I wanted to just first just premise it with like, you know, most people have a definition of what good is. And the thing that I hear people say is I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Um, I do this. I do that. Yeah. Uh, I live peacefully with people. I'm respectful of people in society. I don't or have, I have a, a good heart. Good, uh, yeah, I have a good heart. Yeah. And all that. So so the first question that I wanted to throw out to you rhetorically is what is a good person? Like, What, what, what is the definition of a good person? Do you feel like you're a good person? And I think this is this this is kind of where the rubber meets the road with, with our relationship with God and us really defining these terms that God uses from a from a divine definition and not a definition that is necessarily um, common to us right so goodness is often doing nice deeds, philanthropy. Um, and it's almost on the same line of kindness and that you're considerate, you're caring. There's just a, um, a goodness about you. Just a person that is just upstanding, right? right right, And does the right thing. Right. Now the problem that that creates is everybody has their own definition of what right is. And everybody has their own definition of goodness. Right. So what you may think is the ultimate good, I may think is not that great. So first thing we have to do is we have to understand God's definition of goodness. We have to understand what God means when he's saying goodness uh, or good or that God is good. We this is very popular. If I said it and we were in a live setting, God is good. All All the time. time. And all the time. God is good. good, Right. So, I mean, God is good is a very common, generic, uh, generic. it's, It's just in our language. It's in our vernacular. Now, you don't even have to follow God to be to know what that cliche says. What God is good means. But if we were to define goodness from a biblical point of view, goodness is basically defined as his uprightness, uprightness of heart and life righteousness and truth. Okay. So goodness is looked, it looked at more so from God's point of view as a moral righteousness, as a moral uprightness. Okay. It comes from a moral standard. It's a moral standard of righteousness, not only in your deeds, but in your heart and in your life. So that means your heart has, has holy morals and your deeds follow okay and your life as a result follows so when god says goodness this is not like momentary goodness this is not like okay i had a good day this is a lifestyle of goodness this is good at the core mm-hmm. this is righteousness at the core this means that there is never any evil involved in this the bible tells us that the lord this is exodus 34 and 6 the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. God is abounding in goodness and truth. Psalms 92 15 says they will declare the Lord is just, he's my rock. There is no evil in him. Mm. Okay. So goodness is the absence of evil. Mm. Let's think about that, right? Now, when God's goodness is the absence of evil, so when God says he is good, that means there is no evil, even in um, motives, even in the desire for a certain end result, there is no evil in it. So let's think about it like like for us, right? I think I said this last week, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, and you get a car, and I get a tax (laughs) write-off. I'm going to give $10 million to charity because it's the good thing to do because I'm a good person, but I'm really not trying to pay all them taxes. You see what I'm saying? And not to say that that's bad, right? But it can become goodness on earth and goodness from our perspective can become, um, self-serving. Our goodness can become a means of selfish and and it's
0: it's muddled with like you said before, the standard it's subjective to who is setting that standard, and with that comes, like you said, the motives, the mm-hmm. desires, ambitions mm-hmm. that are not from God. Like you said, self-serving, selfish.
1: Yeah. If we really think about the purity of God and the holiness of God, in that at, at God's very core, He is good. That means everything that He does. Is also good, even if it doesn't feel good. Right. And this is why in these times is so important for us to um, almost reprogram ourselves from what we used to know about God and really allow God to reveal himself to us in a real genuine way with all these distractions going on in the world. Like allow God make room in your spirit and allow God to really show you who he is through all of these fruit. The Bible says in Psalms 14, one through three. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven and on mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who see God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, I asked us to start this out. How many of us would say that we are good people? Now, we can be good to each other. Like, I can think you're a good person. But in God's eyes, my opinion of your goodness doesn't mean as much as God's opinion of everybody's goodness. Because I can't see your heart, neither can you see mine. So I can just be a really nice guy um, that my strategy is to create a personality that everybody would like because mm-hmm. I need a certain amount of clout or I, see, I need certain relationships or I need certain, I mean, it's politics. I need certain things to make myself look a certain way. So I have to create this thing, but inside my heart could be black as night. You wouldn't know that. Other people wouldn't know that, but God knows that. Yes. So this is why God says, ain't nobody good. And he it also
0: says in the Bible that, that the heart is deceitfully wicked.
1: Deceitful.
0: So it will deceive you into thinking that you have a good heart. And this is not a bashing session, right? Because it this turns is
1: around. <laughs>
0: it's just to show that set we are all in yeah. the same boat, mm-hmm. and to set the precedent that we we all need God. Period. Like because mm-hmm. in and, like aside from him. There is no goodness, there is no uh, righteousness, there is no love there's nothing uh pure without mm-hmm. God, so I mean, but yeah it, it, it the heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it but yeah. God
1: yeah, and he makes that very clear. I just think about even the nice things that i that i 've done or tried to do, um, you know even in my own attempts to to try to be good or try to be nice. If I really looked at it, I have to question, well, why did you really do that? And if I really did it with no evil in my heart, why am I mad they didn't thank me? (laughs) And think about that. Like, how many times do we get, I did this for them and they didn't even... Because humanly, we, 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 we attach strings. We are looking for a reward. That's how it is. You know, I give you something, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Or if you can't scratch my back back, I'll find a way for you to have scratched my back because you are a tool that I'm using to get to where I need to go. And this is, this is the motive and the heart of men. And as long as we are deceiving ourselves that that's not the truth, we're never gonna understand the reality Of the depth of God's goodness. And this is the goodness and the purity that God wants to work through us to the world. God's standard of goodness is so high, right? And it is so pure and so above us that it came up in a conversation that Jesus was having with a rich man. And it was so potent and so uh, important that three of the gospels almost list this experience verbatim. Okay, this is in Matthew, Mark and Luke, almost word for word. The reason why I chose the Mark version was because I want us to see something in one of the verses that I I believe points to one of the characteristics of why God is so good. and What makes God good? Mark 10 and we'll start at 17 and we'll go ahead and read down to 27. Jesus started to leave,
0: but a man ran to him and bowed down on his knees before him. The man asked, good teacher, what must I do to get the life that never ends? Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And you know his commands. You must not murder anyone. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not lie. You must not cheat. You must respect your father and mother. The man said, teacher, I have obeyed all these commands since I was a boy. Jesus looked at the man in a way that showed how much he cared for him. He said, There is still one thing you need to do. Go and sell everything you have, give the money to those who are poor, and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man was upset when Jesus told him to give away his money. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich, so he went away sad. Then Jesus looked at his followers and said to them, It will be very hard for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. The followers were amazed at what Jesus said, but he said again, my children, it is very hard to enter God's kingdom. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. The followers were even more amazed and said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, that is something people cannot do but God can. He can do
1: anything. Amen. Amen. Powerful encounter that Jesus has with this, with this rich man. So as we just read, a rich man comes to Jesus, right? And calls him out of respect. Good teacher. When it asks him, how can I make it into heaven? How can I have eternal life? Now, this is a loaded question because the rich man already knows in his heart that He keeps the commandments. He does all these things. So he wants to know from Jesus perspective, what do I need to do to ensure guarantee that I'm going to have eternal life? Before Jesus answers this question, Jesus throws out this very strange response to him. He says, why do you call me good? Ain't nobody good but God. And to be honest with you, I wrestled with that for for quite some time um, because we believe that Jesus is God. Right. We believe that he's God in the flesh. And if God is good and Jesus is God, in the flesh, then he must be good. So what is he talking about? Like, what what does this mean that nobody's good? But God, why do you call me good? But when we look at the, the whole story here and you look at the whole context of everything that's being said, this whole thing is about our definition of what makes people good. Hmm. Right. So. This is a rich man, but he's not a rich, selfish man in a sense, because he has followed the Ten Commandments. He has done some things. And I'm sure that there was a level of charity that he had done, but it was a level of charity to the limit of his own goodness. And it's, it's crazy that what we do, right? We set our own definition of goodness and judge ourselves by our own standard of what we think is good. So like I said before, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. I'm not going to give everything away because that's too good. What I'm going to do is going to be just good enough so that I can be looked at. At a certain, as a certain way. And once again, that is like a motive kind of thing. That's a heart kind of thing. And that's where the seed of goodness sits at, right? The Bible says that there is no evil, no ulterior motives, no other agenda in God, nothing. Mm -hmm. Whatever God does is ultimate purity, ultimate holiness, ultimate goodness. And that's the standard that he wants us to live by. So this particular story is less talking about Jesus is not good, but he's talking about the rich man's definition of goodness. And what that actually means, right? So you've done all these things. You've kept all the commandments. Yeah, I've done them since I was a kid. I've gone to church. I've done this. I've done that. I'm nice to people. I'm respectful to people. Okay. The crazy thing about this whole thing, the reason why I wanted to choose this particular version and the other one was Jesus, before he responds again, the Bible says in the 21st verse, after the rich man says, Teacher, I have obeyed all these commands since I was a boy. I've been really living and serving and and keeping these laws and living this life and living this religious life. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Jesus looked at the man in a way that showed how much he cared for him and said. Now, that that particular um, phrase is not in, in the other accounts. Okay, the reason why I wanted to bring that out is because I believe it's very important that we're able to see how God is responding to us. His posture, his expression, his posture is goodness towards this man, and he wants to redefine what this man sees as being a good person is. Mm. So Jesus tells him something that he knows. He would not be able to do because the rich man's confidence was in his riches and not in God. See, this was a checklist scenario, right? This rich man, like many of us, Mm -hmm. have a checklist. I did this. I did that. I went to church. I gave my money. I did this. I was nice. I was kind. I visited the sick. I did this and this and this and this and that. And pretty soon it's very easy to get pharisaical and you're doing the right things, but your heart is not in it. Right. So then then if your heart is not in what you're doing, then evil has an opportunity to come in. And now your motivations won't be pure because they'd be self-serving. So Jesus asks him, all right, there's still one thing that that I want to challenge you to do. I want you to give everything that you have away to the poor and not just give it away to the poor. After you give it to them, I want you to follow me. So I'm not going to leave you empty handed. I want you to give away what you got and come, come follow me so I can really show you what goodness is. Now, the amazing thing about this, and if you read down and in, in, further down in this is this chapter, um, the disciples ask a very powerful question. Right. They ask who can be saved then, because if God's standard is so good and this rich man like who and who, who would really if you have amassed all this wealth. And the Lord says, give it all the way to the poor and come follow me with no, no guarantee of any housing, no guarantee. You know, you're going to just come wherever I'm going. Just come with me like that is a very difficult thing to do, which is why the Lord says it's very difficult for those who put their confidence in money, confidence in things, confidence in people, confidence in other resources to make it into the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. That was the, the, one of the walls in Jerusalem. The camel had to bend down and go through there with all the baggage. It's not just, it's not like literally a camel going through, um, you know, a, a needle for sewing. That's not what that means, but it's easier. But It just means that it's easier for that difficult thing to happen than for someone who puts their confidence in the wrong things to have enough faith to trust that they'll make it into eternity by relinquishing all those other things. So the disciples got discouraged for a moment. They're like, well, if I was in his shoes, I probably would have the same response. So who can be saved in? And then Jesus says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. That scripture is often taken out of context, right? Jesus is saying it is impossible for man to save themselves. Because man trusts in the resources that they believe will help them live. What I'm asking is impossible with man. Man cannot be saved on their own, but it's the goodness of God that creates an opportunity to make what is impossible, possible. And this is where the crux of this whole thing goes. Jesus uses this example to show us that what we think is good is not necessarily good to God. So in this context, Jesus is saying, don't call me good based on your definition of good. Don't call me good because you kept the commandments. Or like you see a commonality with me because you believe I kept the commandments, too. Because it's not even about the commandments. It's about come follow me. And if you can follow me, that makes you good. And I think, I think that, that, that both complicates it for us and it also simplifies it for us at the same time, right? So there is this relationship that we have between being good and doing good deeds and, 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 and being upstanding and righteous as best as we can as far as our responsibility to God or our responsibility to each other in the world. But then also understanding that our goodness has a limit and it's limited to our humanity, is limited to our own experience. It's limited to our own definition of what it means to be good. Mm-hmm. For some of us, payback is good. Oh, that, mm-hmm. They just got what they deserve.
0: <laughs> what goes around comes around. Karma. <laughs> that's what it is. You
1: sow what you reap. That to, to some of us, that standard is good. But... To God's standard, goodness is a whole different thing. So God's goodness means that at the heart of God is righteousness and justice. His actions prove his goodness. Whatever God does, his intentions are good. That means the outcome that God wants in the end for everything that he's allowed us to go through is a good outcome. God wants the best for you. And I, I, that, that's very hard to conceive, very hard to believe, very hard to wrap our heads around. God wants the best for me, mm. even though I'm going through this crazy, seemingly unfair situation. Situations that you didn't ask for, situations that you tried to prepare against, things that happened in your life that you were just an innocent victim of. God is good. It's crazy, sovereignly good, and his motives make him good. What did the Bible say about that? God says, I say this because I know the plans that I have for you. This message is from the Lord. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. That is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven easy to read. I plan to give you hope and a good future. Psalms thirty one nineteen Lord, you have hidden away many wonderful things for your followers. You have done so many good things for those who trust in you. You bless them so that all the world can see. Others make plans to hurt them. They say bad things about them, but you hide your people in the shelter, in your shelter, and... Protect them. A lot of times we get mixed up with what God is doing and what other people are doing to us. Hmm. The Bible tells us clearly here, other people make plans to hurt the people of God. Other people make plans to hurt people. Other people have devices. Other people, the forces of darkness, all these other things. But God has plans to hide his people and shelter and protect them. The Bible says God has good things planned for them. That means we can't get caught up in the present details because it's a plan, right? And now all the plans look messy and all plans look crazy in the beginning. You plan to draw a picture, right? You got your tools all over the place. you got crayons all over the place. Look at my kids making, doing art. My daughter is very, very artistic. Um, and something, when she's starting, you see the markers everywhere. You see the crayons. You see all this stuff all over the place. But it's not until... The the product is finished and her translating what she has already planned to draw on her mind. Same thing with you, babe, when you're cooking or when you're designing or doing whatever you're doing. It doesn't look beautiful in the beginning. It's messy. It's confusing. It's perplexing. But the end result is a planned result. And there's peace in that. We all could use a little more of God's goodness and a revelation of his goodness so that we can, in turn, be more open to create those access points in our lives for God to flow through us and make this fruit very evident in the world. Amen.
0: Amen. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for yet another week that you have met us where we are. We thank you because uh, your grace is sufficient and you you have carried us through this entire season. This, as thank this God. year comes to a close, we recognize and realize how your hand has carried us yes, through it. Lord, we didn't think we would be able to make it, but you have allowed us the privilege to make it through, God. Thank and we you, just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word that comes forth week after week, God helping to grow us and edify us and change us from the inside out, God. Lord, I pray, God, that as we meditate throughout the week, what you've said today, that you would remind us daily, show us the opportunities where we can create more access points for your spirit, oh God, so that we might exhibit your love and your peace and your long-suffering and your goodness and your kindness, oh God. Lord, we just want to exhibit the fruits, God, that come from you, God. Lord, I pray for each and every listener. I pray, God, that anybody under the sound of my voice that does not know you, that has not made that definitive decision to give their life over and surrender their will and their life to you, God. I pray, God, that your spirit would come to convict, not to condemn, but to convict. Yes, Lord. With loving kindness, you've drawn. So I pray, God, that your love and your kindness would draw those souls to repentance, oh God. I pray that your spirit would be with us, leading and guiding us into all truth. We thank you and we praise you for being God. Amen. Amen. Amen.